0: Oh, there's this fucking trippy ass bug. Let's
1: shoot it, brother. Give me that lens, brother.
0: You know, and and, Look at and that like, lizard. Oh yeah, man, lizard. yeah. Uh, you know? walk,
1: walk past, walk past that lizard, dude. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
0: All right, everybody. It's time for another one fucking hour. This is uh, Evan Husney, Uh joined, of course, uh, by my co-hosts to my left, Tom Fitzgerald. Tom. Hey there. <laughs> and to my right, Mr. Marcus Herring. Marcus.
2: What's up, guys?
0: <laughs> Not a lot. Uh, it's time for episode 11 of the show, guys. Uh, and this fucking hour is on the 1971 film Masterpiece by uh, Nicholas Rogue. And that is Walkabout. Okay, Walkabout. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to start the clock. You guys ready?
1: Oh, boy. Yep. The
0: layup. Yeah. It's going to go so fast. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, clock started. All right, I'm going to kick it off to you, Tom, to start, um, because I, I know from talking to you about this movie a lot over the years that this was a very formative film for you personally. Well, maybe one of the first movies you ever saw?
1: Indeed. Um, It's one of the first three movies I ever saw. Uh, My mom would take me to this revival theater. Uh, So this, like, mid-70s, so these, like, you know, 99-cent triple bills would happen, and one of the movies was Walkabout. And I was exactly the same age as uh, the little brother in the film. I I know it. You know, just consciously I could tell, that because he felt like a peer, like, oh, I I know that dude. Like, I get it. (laughs) Like, where his head's at. And so uh, it affected me greatly, but I was so young that all the nudity (laughs) – and the animal killing and the surrealism and the psychedelic flavor, uh, it just rolled with me because I was kind of like, oh, yeah, movies are fun. This is great. You know, Like, <laughs> I, I like movies, but it, yeah, I, I didn't have it in context. So I rolled with it and none of it was like disturbing except maybe one scene. But just the funny anecdote for me is um, being the same age as the little brother, um, I started cosplaying. For lack of a better term, I started uh, play acting and I insisted on this little kind of leather satchel. My mom bought it for me and I got toy soldiers and a yeah. uh, little rowboat man and everything. It was like I was I had a fad going where I for a little while was like um, pretending I was in walkabout. But I was in <laughs> but I was in downtown Long Beach, California. <laughs> wow. Isn't that weird. Yeah, I know. Man, that is yeah. Insane. So, so, so. It's a very weird thing. You know, I, I'm sure most people have this experience where something I saw in a really formative years, especially a film, not TV. Um, when you see it again, it kind of hits you like, you, you know, like you are remembering a dream or something. And it happens to me all the time with Walkabout because certain shots, for whatever reason, are seared into me more than others from the first time I saw it. And I got to say the one thing that did fuck me up because uh, it is disturbing oh, yeah. is the, the uh, inexplicably unexplained uh, suicide of the uh, the white man father the this you know the the two kids and um it's very heavy you know rewatching it i'm like of course that affected me because uh, it's stylized you know there's burning quick cuts and then he shoots himself and it's like two shots quick succession of him shooting himself then a side shot and there's like this hellish fire happening so um maybe we can uh roll that up yeah. but that one <laughs> that one had an effect on me um uh, it was unpleasant, but it was also fascinating. You know what I mean? It was it was so unlike reality. Because even if I saw this event, I wouldn't see it stylized the way right. Nicholas Rogue uh, d- documented it. You know what I mean? And then the, and then the follow up where the tribe visits the the burned out husk of his VW Bug and um, his corpse hanging in the tree. That too fucked me up. So let's maybe take a look at that and just um, sure, yeah, and get this a little is, flavor. Uh inside my cranium here.
0: Yeah, and and this is one of the early scenes of the film that kind of kicks it all off. And it's very disorienting because, you know, here, ostensibly, you have a six-year-old, I'm sure everybody here listening to this has seen the movie, but you have a six-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl, siblings, and they're basically abandoned after this scene in the outback until they are sort of rescued by an indigenous boy who is on
1: his walkabout, rite of passage journey. just real briefly, what gets me too is it's unexplained He's not a, there's no character development we we but we but we all kind of know like up uh, there's another old middle-aged white western civilization guy who's like wants to not just kill himself but kill his family Like you know, that happens. Like, so we don't really need to know the backstory. It's unsurprising.
2: It's that thing that we all love too, where like the movie kind of just starts right away too. We don't spend Uh, like like a modern movie spend half an hour with like you said, just this like really boring character development. Right. Character development is supposed to be a good thing, I guess, but like not. Well, it can work in the hands of a master. You know, like like Godfather has character development. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, but yeah, not like a Michael Bay Transformers or something. Yeah, you
0: just you just get right into the right into this and it comes as a shock let's watch it i have more thoughts on the
1: other side so yeah, yeah. uh let's check it out and here we go just incredible filmmaking I'm, we were talking earlier like um quick cuts to macro shots you know close-up shots like his gun water gun like fuck, that,
2: that yeah, right 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 the way that that the shooting is introduced to is just so out of nowhere. Like he's looking, the father's looking at the kid through binoculars only moments before. And then next mm-hmm. thing you know, he's, there's a gunshot. So, a so.
1: And then, uh, Jenny, uh, uh, you know, the older sister, uh, she knows what's going on. But what I love about the, the little brother is, um, he really is just many steps behind in cognitive understanding of things. Cause he's still, he has the mind of a child. So it's all, um, potentially superhero radio shows in his mind, you know? Like, he doesn't quite totally. have a handle on uh, reality in a Western civilization sense, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, it's it's totally, like, disorienting and, and totally jarring when it's like, wow, he's firing at the kids, and, like, you as the audience are processing it in a delayed sort
1: of way, too. And he's firing at the picnic that's been uh, set, which yeah. has, you know, m- maybe some kind of... Right there. That has almost, like, a, a very small... Uh, it's a Brisky point kind of commentary. Like he's shooting Western civilization and um, as represented by like this bourgeois picnic and, you know, the savage, beautiful. Uh, right. Back.
2: Right. Earlier, he's like sort of staring off, like listening to like whatever his wife's cooking dinner. He looks very like kind of bored by society. Like there's a lot of, obviously a lot of commentary of like society um, and humanity brushing up against it and how there's no place for, People in the world that well, we, there made we go for ourselves, you know. Holy shit! Yeah, that's really disturbing. It devastated me. Yeah,
0: and and j- just prior to this too, just seeing the shot of the gas can on the ground is just enough context to give you how much this was pre-planned. You know, in terms of what he's doing. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's a nice subtlety like, in the
1: film, right there. Well, he brought a gun too. Well, you know? well yeah,
0: but but even more, but the next yeah. step. To burn the car, you know, is
1: yeah, like like one, two, three, and you know what? You see this on the news, man. You see this happens totally. like people's, men snap, and again, you don't need to know why. You do know why, you know, uh, and it's and it's true. Uh, well, Marcus said something about bookending uh, the film with suicides, but um, it's it looks like a very miserable state of mental illness that he's in, A.K.A. you know, Western civilization, as Orlovsky once said. Every single human being in Western civilization is mentally ill just by degrees. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It does. Yeah.
2: It feels like the the whole movie is sort of, it deals with that theme a lot that there's like, um, there's no place for, for man in the world that we've created for ourselves. And like Mm. you just alluded to, like the film is bookended by the suicides and, and uh, spoiler alert, uh, there's a suicide at the end too, Where The beginning is the, uh, the modern man committing suicide. Right you know, in, in nature. And then the, the end is the sort of like uh man who lives in nature, killing himself, like at a civil, you know, he's at like a farm, or basically. So right. it's almost like a mirror image of it, but it's, you know, and then there's a lot of, you know, the, the, the kids are out in nature trying to survive, but they don't, they don't choose to stay there. They, they try to go back to the town. And, and at the end, she's like imagining like the, uh, the bush again. So there's this, this constant, um, feeling throughout the movie that there's no place for people in the world that we've made it's not well, it, just society it's like we can't go back to nature either yeah you know we well, go back it also, to the garden of eden
0: yeah it, right, right which right. is a big yeah theme in the movie but it's also like you know it seems like they had a great time you know kind of out there in the outback a little bit you know and and she's yeah. looking back on it at the end i think they had a great time uh but well, the one thing i want to say or, sorry
1: but she knew No, you're right. It's just uh, this is all gummed up inside the film, you know, but um, uh, she does she is a a force of the West in that she slowly as they get closer to that road, she starts dressing again. She starts getting into the rules with the the little brother, you know, instead like, did you have your meal at this time? You know, like the rigidity of Western civilization. And that actually that's the most heartbreaking part for me in a way. With the epilogue of her heartbreak on her face, as she tunes out her boring husband talking about, uh, you know, some some office politics, and because he will be the father in the future and shooting his children and himself, you know, so right. you know what I mean? Right. Like, like right. this is this is a form of death, in that right. in that um, in that high-rise apartment. And well, It's real all heartbreak.
0: <laughs> sorry, re- real quick, just going back to the to the dad suicide scene that we just yeah, yeah. saw. You know, <clears throat> you were talking about like how it's great that there's no. Real backstory. I mean, there's a uh, there's one clue to kind of what was going on a little bit, but it's just it's just a thread of a clue, which is um, those documents, those papers that he's obsessing over moments before he actually does go through with, you know, his plan to kill his family. He's like looking at like geology reports, you know, is what he's looking at and obsessing over. And of course, that foreshadows. I know we got to talk about the weird weather. Oh, like that's like a people. half an hour right there. Yeah, so the yeah we'll get there. We'll get there. But <laughs> so that that's kind of interesting. But here's something even more interesting, which is the source material for yeah. Walkabout. Tom, that's your cue.
1: Bing, three, two, one. The oh, yeah. uh, film tie in, but it's really just the old 1959 novel that the film is barely based on. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, one thing about the book job that's really interesting is the book does not. Have this scene in it. Um, the, I just the knew way, that. I figured. Yeah, the way that the adventure kicks off in the book is actually there's a plane crash, and that's the what you know puts the boy and the girl in the outback. Uh, you know, sort of uh, on their own, left to their own devices is because of a plane Durk. crash. Right. It's just like but,
1: lost in the desert, Dirkie.
0: hundred percent. But this choice to make. You know, this very dark and disturbing circumstance is actually a stroke of genius because it works so well for the Jenny character because it really gives her this immediate, um, you know, it like thrusts thrusts her into having to be, um, you know, this like um, immediate loss of innocence, you know, because a plane crash is an accident. And then here's something that thrusts her into survival mode. It makes the stakes a million times higher you know, and and that's just I I thought that was cool because I, I don't know exactly what led them to that choice, but um I know that yeah. they didn't want to use what was in the novel because they didn't want it to be like Lord of the Flies. Actually, that's they didn't want it to be oh. compared to that. You know, because right, that was cause obviously
1: just you know same narrative uh, um um right like angle. But uh, no, and also like I don't even think of that funny enough. I was just talking about the very end of the film and how. She's got melancholy on her face because she's uh, wistfully remembering this uh, this moment of Eden with the three of them uh, nude to the world. You know, like if you don't need to wear clothes, why are you wearing clothes? You know, that kind of thing. But um, I had forgotten. I wasn't fusing when I watched the film. Excuse me. I don't I don't thread through her character's arc that she has this very damaging thing because the little boy does not. He's right. like, you know, everything's like a Flash Gordon radio show, like I was saying. So he doesn't know what the hell's going on. But um, she's carrying that with her too. That mm-hmm. she had an absolutely scarring moment of the West because mm-hmm. she just knows that wouldn't happen uh, with the people who are indigenous to the to the to the land out there, like um, uh, David's character. Uh, you know, and she like you know what I'm saying. So it's like um, she has this incredibly negative experience. And immediately becoming an adult, not just that, you know, the the thing that's intense for her where she has to grow up immediately mm-hmm. uh, and be a parent, you know, but also um, that's that's some heavy shit people go to therapy for for like a decade. Yeah.
0: It's that thing no. that it's that it's that it's that childhood trauma moment that that, that really right. you know kicks it off and sets you into adulthood, forces you kind of to in, yeah. in a lot of ways. And with her, you know, she's obviously taking care of her younger brother, and it, it thrusts us right into the action of the movie, which is mm-hmm. just what a brilliant choice from you know writing perspective in this movie, which is not the yeah. first thing you necessarily think about because this movie and this is a good segue into. How absolutely, from a visual point of view, this movie's at you know the top of the lists of absolutely. you know the most visually oh, yeah. dynamic and amazing films ever shot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's such a great you know we talk a lot about filmmaking obviously on this uh, show, but and even when we're talking about stuff like Sledgehammer and analyzing the filmmaking there, but this sure. is really uh, yeah. this is really just a great illustration of just how the film as like a film is peak art form. You know, uh, like it has elements of other arts in it. Beautiful photography. It's got poetry, you know, literal poetry in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, the sound yeah. design is incredible, and it's all combined into this medium that, you know, to tell a story in a way that couldn't be told in any other medium together. Like, it feels like a really peak example of how film can achieve like a higher a very high. Like, art. like
1: film is a potential work of art manifests in this case. By the way, side note: another film you seem to like this that uh, values sound. Oh, hundred! Oh my God! Oh yes, music oh, yeah. and in music and diegetic sound, whatever you call it, like you know, just natural sound. The way that like,
2: stereo is like threaded through the entire thing with music, and it's a way to integrate pop music like, and then like yeah,
1: another the haunting right voice of um, the West Rod Stewart. Because yeah. they thought about this, I love this. You could be in the middle of nowhere and completely lost, but the ra- you could still listen to the radio. Yeah, <laughs> that it really haunts me. It's like you you hear civilization, but you you don't know where to get to it. And, um, and you're hearing like whatever the hell pop culture is doing. And in that case, it's, uh, Rod Stewart's Gasoline Alley during your yeah. father's <laughs> suicide, you know? Um, but also, <laughs> God, it, it, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna kill me. But like, just one little thread on sound. Um, and we should play this, actually. Uh, yeah. Evan, if you could call it up, shit, what is it called? I'm What's calling that? everything goofy now Radio Psych. Oh, yeah. And what I'm getting at is, um, the art, the, the, the uh, only film, you can only make a, a work of art like this in the medium of film. And it's not like based on a novel or a play. Not really based on a novel. It's certainly not a play, you know. Um, but uh, there's one moment uh, where uh, Stockhausen's music's playing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that's the thing. It becomes like psychedelic, because I think they're going in a direction where like the, the, the radio frequencies are kind of getting screwed up. And he genius uses the incredibly hardcore psychedelic radio frequency um mindfuck of uh, a Stockhausen piece. I can't remember the name. But we have it here and we just okay. it's brief and like and it's all incredible nature stuff, footage, and then just this really intense, disorienting um Western civilization ghosts floating right, so, in the so, air.
0: So, so so you'll want some some volume on this one.
1: Yeah, if you can. Okay. I love that shot too It's fucking Incredible There's two incredible Feet shots oh, This just about. kills me I, I, I was flipping channels years ago I know I was flipping channels years ago And I didn't say what it was And it was this moment And I was like What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> you know
2: Bring him with you, with you, with you. It's that dream I
1: had Yeah I know I, I saw this when I was like 6 years old Great piece. I listen to this on my headphones sometimes, this piece. You guys should all all go to the record store and get this Stockhausen album. What is it called? Nothing
0: can
1: ever be created. It's like a whole album of this stuff. Wow. It's called uh, Hymnen. I'll put a link in the description of the video. On the album called Anthems you know what i think of is i think i did this as a child when i first heard i am the walrus the end of i'm the walrus i thought of walkabout right the the
2: king Lear radio yeah well
1: because the beatles are into stockhausen yeah it was a time and that's, and that's another thing I like to say about walkabout, you were saying it was maybe the best example of film as a work of art, Marcus. I also want to say it's one of the, the, the premier examples of where the arts were, you know, around 66 to 73 or something. You know Total. what I mean? Like this is one, of, not even just film, but just like, it's one of the um, most assured and fully realized uh, examples of um, the new, the new arts. You know what I mean? hundred
0: percent. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, something I want to talk about Definitely. just with, with that specifically, I mean, you're talking about how it's, you know, this is a pure form of cinema in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of that too is because, I mean, you were saying it's based upon the script that was 15, 20 pages, you know, 14, 14 <laughs> yeah. pages. And, uh, you know, and, 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 that's and the way this to is, do it. that's the way to do it, man. And, and like, you know, uh, Nicholas rogue, obviously, you know, genius, And making this movie, just the the process of making this movie, obviously he comes from a very highly skilled cinematography background. You know, I mean this guy was shooting second unit on you know Lawrence of Arabia and shit. Like, you know, he knows Uh,
1: Fahrenheit four one five or four five one, whatever it's
0: called. Petulia. You know, he's doing yeah. Yeah, he's he's doing awesome shit. And of course, you know, he's collaborating with amazing people. I mean, obviously his first feature, you know, he had the co directing credit with, you know, Donald Campbell on performance. And, one. and
1: just so, and 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 the way they broke that down, just to be clear, is um, he did all the film stuff and all the acting stuff was was camel. So he, it really is his first film. And by the way, that is an incredible example of um, uh, editing, uh, time fuck cross cutting, and uh, also incredible compositional photography. Uh, they're a pair in my mind. Uh, you know, those. You know, they're on yeah. par.
0: Yeah, the the one thing about the like cross cutting thing, because that's obviously one thing about, you know, Nicholas Rogue that always gets talked about is you know his kind of signature cross cutting style with the editing, which is obviously like, you know, really emerging with you know walkabout. Uh, one thing I got to mention because I am a big Donald Camel fan, um, you know, yeah. uh, just a quick shout out to everyone who doesn't have a copy of this bad boy here. Got to get my book in there. Uh, Donald Campbell, oh, the yeah. ultimate, ultimate performance. Uh, and, you know, when, when when Donald Campbell passed away, you know, they they did this BBC documentary about him. And Nicholas Rogue was on there talking about his buddy and and really gave him a lot of credit, you know, for that editing style kind of originating a little bit from what, what Donald was
1: fucking with, you know? Can I, can I geek out for one second? Please. Uh, this is not a performance, uh, you know, one fucking hour. But I had lunch with Frank Mazzola. Cause he's the third musketeer in what we're yeah. describing. If yeah. we're just to talking about editing yep. and people t- getting turned on by each other's ideas of editing in the performance project right. and how it then related right. to, to what Rogue brought to walk about. If you'll right. indulge me, I Frank would. Mazzola, maybe you guys don't know him. He's the editor of uh performance right. and he was influenced and they collaborated incredibly. He was a jazz drummer. He was a hep cat. Like he smoked like, you know, pot cigarettes in the fifties and he was in a uh, rebel without a cause. I had lunch with him. He's amazing guy and he had all these incredible ideas and just the big quote from him. And I, and I, I do bring this up for, for rogue and, and, and walkabout, cause he really took a lot from Mazzola. Uh, the big quote from Mazzola was just film is visual meter. He thought of it in terms of music and it was right. such a radical idea just people did not edit that way you know no. i mean there's a lot of great great films you know like sunset Boulevard's a conventionally edited film it's amazing yeah. but so these guys were super far out the three of them and so i would say that there was this cauldron of editing uh uh, uh conceptualization that then moved for rogue onto walkabout so just wanted to say that you know very yeah. special uh,
0: yeah, so you have that right, and then you yeah. also have you know his cinematography background, which is you know on another fucking oh planet, you know in terms yeah. of this movie. But the idea that you know we were talking about this before we were we were recording is this idea that like the, th- this movie is not location scouted. This is not something where any of that is traditionally done. This is that kind of like you know I mean obviously this is pre hertzog but he would kind of go on to do similar shit where it's like you take the crew out into the elements and then you embrace the fucking elements. Yeah. Like a gear, right? yeah. Uh, yeah exactly and and you're finding these moments in nature you're finding these sort of spont- spontaneity you know with oh there's this fucking trippy ass bug let's shoot it brother give me that lens brother you know and, and look at and that like, lizard oh yeah, man lizard. yeah
1: walk, walk past walk past that lizard dude like okay yeah, yeah. and that and that, and, and that idea came up. so many animals in this instantly. Movie. Oh. no but what he's saying is just like hey look at that lizard and it's like let's shoot it like let's go right now walk past it twice you know and we'll get a good shot of it and um Listen, I was stunned. It, to speak to what you're saying, just, you know, keep going, what you're getting at. Um, right before we did this podcast, right before we went on, I've, I just found out that it was mostly improvised. You know, the script yeah. was a skeleton. And uh, and I could see it. Now I almost want to watch it again, again. And it's just, um, but one example of what you're saying is uh, of them going with the flow, like basically going out in the desert and, and freaking out and, and finding the next mm-hmm. shot, you know, uh, when they just walk forward is, uh, you know, the little brother, he does get a really bad sunburn in reality. And, uh, David, uh, had a remedy of like cooked up guts of, um, uh, I forgot what it was like a, an alligator or something. I don't know. Right. And like, I don't know, and, uh, some mammal and, uh, and he just applied the, 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 the guts to the, to the little boy's back and it is soothing. And, um, really this was broke. Get the camera. He we have robe. our
0: next scene. Yeah. <laughs> ah,
1: there you go. No, but he just said, like, get the camera. Like, we um, we got a new scene here, and it's fantastic, you know? And uh, God, I mean, we're already running out of time, but just let's make sure to ch- carve out a lot of time for uh, David. We will. Being a huge influence on this film, because they were kind of, he, he really was leading the way. They were following him, because all the little tiny indigenous cultural uh, nuances and behaviors and, and um, you know, the authenticity.
0: The authenticity. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Because a, another corny ass movie with like a really straight crew would have just made up stuff or said that's too silly or like, but but uh, the authenticity is there because David is really just doing his thing because he, you know, not not all indigenous people in Australia do a lot of, uh, you know, outback, you know, tr- trekking, but he did a lot, you know what I mean? So he really was very comfortable in that environment and we're seeing a lot of his influence because, they, because Rogue allowed you know, like his influence to 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 to, to start sh- shaping and sculpting the f- story. Well, he inspired like, him.
0: Yeah, he inspired him in, in a major way. Right. Exactly. Way. And it's also like not unlike another film that um, I'm hoping we'll cover on the show at one point when we talk about *Wake and Fright*, which is kind of the mm-hmm. approach of here's an outsider, Nicholas Rogue. Obviously, he's British. Ted Kodjeff, he's Canadian even further away and these guys are coming into you know, this fascinating country and they're really getting to know the locals and having them sort of lead the way in terms of where should we be shooting what's crazy out there you know and then obviously you know how Nicholas Rogue met David You know which is fascinating is that like you know in his research while because he moved to australia for the production of this movie and immersing himself in these indigenous cultures going to these different settlements and just interviewing people and talking to people and then it was like david was david gopalil you know rip as of last month you know he um Was the guy everyone was talking about? Like you got to meet right. David. He's this kind of born star in a lot of ways. And um, and then I think it was just kind of one of those luck and chance encounter things. And then of course, as you said, I mean, yeah. he just really he gave so much to this movie. I mean, Nicholas Rogue talks about how the the mating dance, which I, we should look at at some point. Um, you know, he he gave that you know, to the movie is the way that he
1: referred to that. So, like that was not like, they didn't say, well, on day 12, you got to do that mating ritual dance, you know, where, where he's wearing the the white dots. No, that's all David's input. Incredible. You know? Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, you're right. David was a really special guy in the local area where he was uh, casting or scouting uh, rogue was scouting. And yeah, everyone kept referencing him. And I think that he was a dancer. Yes. But I think what they were, what he was, his role, was you know kind of a, a different approach uh, as a creative person, was a a storytelling dancer. Like yeah. he would tell these ill stories with dance. You know, maybe, maybe I don't even I don't know. Maybe it didn't even include uh, verbalization. But he would tell a story, maybe simply through his body movements.
2: You know, I wonder if mostly. He his, I wonder if he did his own makeup and like knew and like the drawings and stuff. You know, of course. Well, so I'm he had a, those drawings.
0: He had a. Um, well, he had a. Um, I think his name was Dick or something. I think he had like a guy that was like his kind of handler on set who was also from the settlement that he came from. His buddy. His buddy. And he and his buddy did all the makeup. I think they actually came across those cave painting drawings. You know, mm-hmm. but I think like he enhanced them a little bit, but they came across some of that stuff again, just embracing the elements and it winds up in the movie. But it's just That's you know, like, mate. right, she's like, she's so like you oh,
2: is- have a crayon or a pencil or something. Yeah, she can't yeah. do anything. You know, she like- like,
1: Well, she wants to communicate. Uh, it's actually kind of another sad little moment Um somebody. Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, Roger Ebert said this. He said so much of the film is about communication. I I say yes. Do I about. vote? No, no, oh no! You don't. No, you don't, Roger. No, so um, no, no, no. So like, I think what she's trying to do then is, um, hey, there's a way that we could maybe have some parody in uh, the form of communication. If if my stupid little brother did have some crayons or something, I could draw like she does, like he does. So Excuse disconnected me.
2: Connected from that, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, she I, felt I,
1: like there's a there's a form that they could communicate. Finally.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but she's, she's unable to. Yeah, she's unable to to go back there. That's another place for your... Well, that's later.
1: I'm, I'm saying in the in the narrative of the film then... No, she I know, I'm saying, but she wanna, can't
2: yeah. draw like in the sand or like take, pick up a rock or something. She needs a pencil to be able to do it. Do you know what I mean? She needs that's that true. technology.
1: She's older and the codification of Western civilization is more there because... There's a
2: lot of that parallels because like, you know, he cooks a lot in the film just throwing like a, 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 an animal on the fire with no stick or anything, you know, directly on the fire. And yeah. then we see her mom cooking earlier. And at the end, of course, she's cooking, she's cooking with yeah. like a knife and stuff. There's always like those parallels between the, um, you know, the whole movie is just like the a West
1: ju- and, uh, and, yeah. and, 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 the outback. Yeah, right. of course, a lot of parallel editing. It's great cost cutting, excuse me, but like, uh, it's just it, speaking, um, communication if you guys don't mind, like, mm-hmm. yeah. did you love that you started noticing that the little brother, he's starting to talk to David, <laughs> you know?
2: yes she said and she's like translate for me yeah, yeah. like she's yeah. like
1: uh ask him when you know when when we're gonna find the road in her and she's like okay hold on and 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 david's uh just like uh oh you know and he's like okay tomorrow and right. i was like damn <laughs> that's cool well he, has, well he yeah. has the more impressionable mind again not as codified
2: not as corrupted but, by society yeah. but
1: also like yeah. brains You know, you can the best time to learn to learn multiple languages. Oh, yeah. He's the most impressionable age, you know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So he's picking up on it. But there's also a few other things going on because he is so young because he's saying like, hey, aren't the three of us going to like, you know, be rescued and get out of here and have a life together? Aren't we going to be like this new thing, this three of us? And she's like, not even a little. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're just going to run away. And that's part of his suicide, her rejection of him. Let's Um, talk about
0: that. Should we show that? But he Yeah. Should we should we should we just like maybe um I feel like we kind of touched on on the mating dance. I'm sure we'll we'll cut to that here and there, but let's um let's get to, to obviously, the suicide. Yeah, let, let yeah, let, let's just go to like of one of the the more harrowing scenes in the whole yeah, film. That's true. Uh which is the ultimate breakdown of that communication that Ebert is sort of saying is right. um you know when obviously you know uh, Luke the little boy you know Nicholas Rogue's son we didn't mention but um <clears throat> you know he's right. trying to offer him fruit and then he doesn't even realize that he's he's no longer with us so
1: can I mention one other thing sure uh, well here we are you know so yeah here's the shot he's kind of hung himself from a tree but um one thing I noticed recently was um she gets surly with him when she asks him for water and sort of treats him like a servant. And uh, he he kind of gives her a side eye, like because she's like yeah yeah I want water and he's like yeah yeah water like and he and he looks at her like a double take like oh man she's changed like she's she's slowly leaving as we referred to before she's slowly leaving the Eden of the water pool I think those are called Billabongs by the way the water pool they were in um, and uh, but she really gets kind of bitchy um, when she's like she just kind of keeps saying like water yeah yeah yeah. I want water. Well, that and he, he part gets, right he, there, too, is incredible.
2: Too. She's like, uh, she's like telling, she goes back to Miss Manners. You know, there's that like radio program that's playing like at the beginning, and we hear another part that's like talking about like how to set your table and how the table yeah. manners basically. And then he's, he's dead there, and she tells the little brother, like, oh, you shouldn't eat your breakfast standing up. You know, I she's know. like, no, she's totally, I mean, just to put it there at that moment with the friend is dead, and she's like, uh, She's back to society, to this totally, to one of the most worthless, most meaningless bits of like custom and society that there is—is is like setting the table properly. Especially yeah. Australian table manners. I mean, yeah.
0: Let's. i kidding. Actually, just to play this for a second, because we can. Yeah, do it.
1: it. We can, this so incredible. We, we, he. So here is an exhibition of his dancing, and in the narrative of the film, he uh, comes upon her. Uh, and she's actually, uh, topless at least, uh, this is after she puts her shirt back on because she's kind of mortified by, um, you know, a possible sexual encounter with him. Because when they're in Eden and they're naked and everything, it's, uh, there's a little hint of it earlier in the film when uh, they're both kind of checking each other out. But um, uh, when it gets down to, like, the, the, the reality of possibly cohabitating with him... You know, she really uh, hides and slams the door. And he, and by the way, he does this all day and all night. His major yeah. ritual until he's exhausted. He's there. He's still there, like the, uh, the you know little boys. Like, uh, is he gonna dance tonight? You know, and um, this is another sad moment. You know what I mean? And it's really heartbreaking. And he's such an incredible actor and performer because so much of acting is just your face. And dude knows what he's doing in carrying emotions with his face. Am I right? You know? Oh my God.
0: Well, the one thing you were saying earlier, I don't want to touch on too, was the the, the storytelling with the dance, um, because you know, in right. in in his culture, you know, a huge part of it is the is the dream time stories, which is something yes. that you know David Gopalil would be, you know, was would always you know talk about and and um, you know and and it was a huge part of his identity. It Was this idea that you know his culture, there is no kind of past, present, and future; it is all one that kind of you know relays in this in this dream time. You know, um, I mean, which that's is diverse... perfect
1: for rogue. Yes. You he's know, the like... subject of time <laughs> displacement, you know, <laughs> everything like... from, um, well, you know, it's funny, just uh, getting, getting back to rogue. I mean, this is ridiculous that we're only doing this for an hour, but like rogue, um, there's a great hint. Actually, it's kind of funny because almost within his filmography, there's a time displacement because there's a moment in walkabout that, that feels like it could have been in um, the man who fell to earth. Which is where the the little boy is seeing um, the ghosts and faint specters of um, pioneers, you know, like English pioneers on uh, camel, I think, and they're just kind of like they're you know they're opaque and ghosted out. Well, that's in walkabout, you mean,
0: right? You're talking about that's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> yeah. in
1: walkabout. Yeah. But then also David Bowie is seeing um, visions of the Wild West, right, in um, in Earth. So it's just it's just it, it, it's very trippy because it's almost becoming like like um, like a pan filmic. You know, this, yeah. this time displacement, you know, and of course, don't look now, obviously, you know, of course. and so uh, and so, yeah, just uh, him playing with time. Uh, it's 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 a real sweet spot for him. It's a perfect place. And um,
2: I see what you're saying. You're saying like it's like Nicholas Rogue didn't make, you know, nine films or whatever. He made like one film and it's all connected.
1: I don't know about that. It's just like <laughs> uh, I
2: know you're being, you're joking, but like you're saying it's well, all- I
1: just mean like um, I, I just had that buzz when I saw the moment and walk about. Because I flashed on a different film, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I thought if you, you could cut them in, and then other stuffs going on, like it just what happens to your head when you watch a, a filmmaker like this? Like, and then I was starting to think the Wild West, or for sorry, the British Empire, the Wild West is Australia, and you know there is a Wild West in um, right, right, uh, yeah, in uh, Manifold Earth, and just there's 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 themes, you know, he has themes that keep playing through, um, but again, it's just uh, can I can the I the uh... power of his yeah, filmmaking I- uh, makes that work because I think another filmmaker, this would all be uh, kind of a pain in the ass, frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like totally a risky point or something, which I love.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Uh, just to put a yeah. bow on that, on that scene with um, David, you know, and the dance and then going to his suicide. Uh, <clears throat> one little stark difference too, from the actual book is I thought was interesting to mention. Um, and again, just, this is how they're kind of, Coming up with this movie as they're going, but um, mm-hmm. the ending of the actual book is that the is that the boy and the girl give the David character, you know, ostensibly a like illness because he's unvaccinated, you know, or something, and that's what. So then he kind of there's a, there's more of a slow death, like he knows he's going to die. So that's really interesting oh, that they sort of like, you know, this is what this turned into because of David and his influence on the film, and it's you know, yeah. way you know, more you know, heartbreaking.
2: Actually- I love yeah. yeah it's interesting. I love that the uh the way that it's set up like you know you'd think a lot of movies like uh I was thinking about other like stranded lost movies where there's like a, a boy and a girl together um like blue lagoon or something. Yeah. A lot of these movies edge towards like a romantic thing, you know, and you and like you could see like a, like a lesser filmmaker going there and I love that they mm-hmm. Made the choice to make it a more deeper, meaningful commentary on life instead of turning into a romance novel. Oh, you know? of course, yeah, your fantasy, well,
1: uh, yeah. And, the and fact they that deal it's... with
2: the, but they, but they still deal with the sexual, sexual questions that are that are in your head. You know, when you're watching something like this, because you're putting yourself there. Like, what would I be? You know, going. Well, they're both
1: coming of questions. age. Well, yeah, they're they both at the same them, age,
2: like, right? Yeah, they're right. both
1: com- coming into puberty. So, so the sexual, uh, glances, you know, like they both shake each other's bodies out, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, one is, one is like rite of passage. And then one, like I was saying earlier is kicked off from this, like, yeah, what the Western trauma, you know, of something that would happen to a family. And that's super, super fascinating to have that, you know, from, I mean, that's just what makes this movie amazing. And then of course, to have it all come to a head in that one moment where, you know, she ostensibly, you know, um, you know, rejects him. I actually heard that for David, it was really tough doing that scene because hmm. uh, doing doing the mating dance was really tough because, like I said, it was something he gave the film, but then for it to not have, you know, like
1: unrequited,
0: right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like, like Nicholas Rogan, the commentary on the on the on, on the actual disc was saying that he was like very depressed afterwards.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I don't doubt it. Yeah. C- can I bring up something else too about like? Um... Uh, you know, there, the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on. Like there's the friction between those two, uh, the, the man and, the boy and the girl and how uh, they're so different and, but there's similarities, but then it, the differences are too much. But then the other thing is just civilization. We keep talking about this, you know, and I think one of the things that's really ironic is, um, from my understanding, from what I've read is that in the story, um, David, uh, has encountered white people. He's seen trucks like hunters and stuff he's he knows them I think that's why he he swats the uh toy soldier out of uh the little boy's hand you know he's like fuck those guys you know like he doesn't hang out at a bar with them he doesn't speak English and neither did David in real life but my point is um I think there's something almost like weird and ironic and Twilight Zone ish where of course she and her little brother do not know their orientation like if if they saw an aerial like a map it's like oh we go this way for two miles and you know there's a a petrol station but they maybe went that way and it's like 100 miles towards nothing so from what i understand and i love this is they're actually very close and he's not he has totally seen civilization in fact there's that weird moment guys when the plantation, right? Yes. It, it, that woman says something to David. And he's just like, oh, whatever. And like, um, but then of course they just, the uh, you know, she and the little boy don't even see that weird white woman who pops in and out of between the rocks. That's just yeah, so strange. Yeah. They're that. It's they're that
2: close. Like he, it's almost like he decided to keep them or something. I was thinking about like if you pick if a stray dog follows you home and then you start because he's really caring for them. He's feeding them. He's taking of course, care of yeah. them. He sort of like decides to keep them. You know, like I
1: think he doesn't understand.
2: Like, well, he does um, eventually lead them to a farm, but it's an abandoned one. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like but it's
1: closer. They're getting closer. Well, because a road is just down the way from the abandoned farm. But no, but like, I think what's going on is he's confused too. Like, like because uh, there's no communication. I think what's happening is he's like... Oh, y'all wanted to fuck with uh, the Outback? All right. Like, he doesn't know that they're tra- traumatized and tried, de- because they don't often look like they're desperately trying to come home. They just right. look That's thirsty. What I'm
0: saying. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah,
1: right, exactly. Or maybe it's like, hey, maybe white people are trying to do uh, walkabouts now. So, what I'm it's just funny to me because I never knew until I read about this that in the, in the reality of the motion picture, they're actually very close all the time. Like, the father didn't drive that far away, is what I'm saying. Well, but they think yeah. it's like in that Twilight Zone where they, you know, that stupid one where they, the astronauts land on a planet yes. and it's yeah. just Arizona. <laughs> That's all. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah, but it's also, though, it was just just dawned on me as well. It's like, you know, the, the reason they're also having a good time is because what really is the alternative to go back to whatever trauma spawned,
1: what happened with the yeah.
0: father and, yeah. you know, whatever. So it, it is also like, you know, we're running away in this sort of
1: like fantastic. They are kind of running. Well, especially the yeah. boy. He wants to have an adventure. He loves those radio stories with Batman and stuff like this is yeah. an adventure. This is all a big, fun, crazy adventure. And he loves, he loves David, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like, uh, he's fun. And he's cool. He's killing animals and like, you know, and he's, he's kicking ass. You know what I mean? Like he's a, su- well, he says, are we superheroes, you yeah. know? And
2: so life got more interesting for him and for her. He's and having her. fun too, but she does harken back to the comforts of society a lot. Like, Oh, I want to take like a warm bath. And, like, well, she says that
1: bowl. later. Well, you notice, she says that as they hit the farmhouse, which is by the road. And right. like I
2: said, there's, there's her she's receding. She's yeah. inching back. Yeah, in. exactly. Yeah. The yeah, yeah she's her, the, is,
1: the echo tone is shifting towards civilization.
2: Right? The way all the themes like sure. intertwine with the locale is so brilliant. I mean, like for, the, for so much of it to have been improvised and then like, he must've just had such a clear idea of the themes and, yeah. and been on the lookout for how he could like translate them visually. I was just thinking that just dawned on me and That's well this. put, yeah. He, like dies, he, knows, like a,
1: he knows what's on his mind and he and, and some things click for him that are visual metaphors. Right, That's
2: right. Cool. Like, That's very cool. A good example of that, you know, just like a visual thing and not necessarily, we talk a lot about editing and stuff, but there's all these visual like, you know, things like film moments that happen. One of them- Marcus, let's so, play some. It's with, so amazing. Yeah, is the uh, well just the the tree? There's a there's, there's a lot of trees in this, but there's a, a specific moment where like the tree looks like legs, and we see her legs, and then her leg and a tree branch kind of like her legs ah, over absolutely. here. Absolutely,
0: so amazing. And yeah, where does he some. die?
2: He dies hanging in a tree. You know what I mean? Like between yeah. the branches of this tree. So and you know all the um. Anyway, it's just brilliant.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Well, that's what well, I was saying. Like uh, we pulled a bunch of these brief montages. Gosh. Um okay. well how about this uh Desert is an alien Desert landscape. Desert visions. Desert Vision, I think right. alien landscape is pretty dope actually. Yeah. Okay, let's do that one. But all of them, you know, they're yeah,
0: just, we'll just little
1: vignettes. Yeah. Let's play a bunch and uh cuz yeah, let's just get into like the visual power, uh the compositions and the editing and we'll the sound. Yeah, and you again, know. it's
0: it's just like you know the fact that he's you know has an unbelievable eye, and the fact that it's like you know it's that one to one of director is also cinematographer too, right? Which you know really is just again
1: and editor. He's well, really I got think a math, the you know, in the film. The, but he was there. I, oh, I read yeah. that He was there every day. You know, oh, I'm sure.
2: Right. Well, he shot it with intention. You know what I mean? Like the shots are like, and they're not just like all found shots. They're also composed and well orchestrated. I love
1: it. This is the worst way to see this film. <laughs> It really is. small. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I know. It's
2: just funny. It's a, just a, a reference.
1: CinemaScope TV. <laughs> I know. It's just a reference. And that's the uh, yeah. too. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. The, the if, if
1: y'all haven't seen this in a while, see it immediately. Oh, well, and then this hedgehog the
2: wombat thing. Here's, here's a good example. The zoom, the zoom lens, I think, is still like the, those 10 times power zoom lenses are still like kind of fairly new technology. They've only been around for like five years or four or five years or something. Oh, okay. Point. So... Like you see them, it's like kind of that's why you see it so baked into the style of like these early like late sixties, early seventies things where they've got a zoom lens on. Right. He does this a lot where he's like shooting through foliage, like the plants okay. just sort of green and translucent as they're shooting through. Or
1: so. So a lot of it is responding to is on. like uh, the the vintage patina of um, these old school lenses. Mm -hmm. that that didn't happen before and aren't really so much utilized now.
2: Right, well, it gives a lot of character for this time period if people are using those, you know.
1: Let's play um, Boy and Girl Journey Begins, uh, Evan, because um, that's like right after the suicide. So they're just departing from this point of the suicide, the location. And this kills me. This is used in, like, the trailer. It's all the ants eating their their picnic, actually. And uh, it's No, it also, I'm really, oh, this is the greatest shot ever. Yes. zooming in on the lizard as they walk by. But there's then also, in the macro photography, like I was saying before, that's probably pretty cutting-edge lenses, too, the macro photography that you see so it's often. a great
2: – she's laying out the picnic in the very beginning, and right before her dad kills herself, and there's an ant crawling on, like, the tablecloth, and she's this, it off her finger, you know.
1: That is yeah, I know yeah. microcosmos. Oh, yeah. And by the way, and then there's the music. There's the incredible John Barry score – with that haunting heartbreaking theme called back to nature um god you know what i wish tony bennett covered that but i guess that's all <laughs>
0: right. uh, oh my god <laughs> anyway. do, do you want to do want to lay that on us just real quick just while we're here
1: okay sure you got it i just was being a little cheeky um well first of all john barry did the score he's uh, did all the james bond stuff you know like dun, 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 dun. and he's brilliant and the score is amazing And there's this one song it's it's the main motif of the film uh you know the, the score uh it's called back to nature and it's this beautiful gorgeous thing it's the last piece heard when you see her face looking melancholy at the end. Um, and for some reason, someone in the production of the film decided to uh, get uh, Tony Bennett, the, the Rat Pack crooner, we all know and love, uh, to, to sing, have a sung version with lyrics of the song Back to Nature. Now, it was going to be in the film, probably the end credits, you know, like, like uh, and it's just what you think it is. Um, the first line is, uh, you know what, let's save that. And we'll play that for the folks maybe um oh, but yeah. uh it's very strange it what didn't wind you? up in the film better <laughs> heads better heads prevailed as they say um but i kind of find it um as a huge fan of walk about i think that's an essential 45 for you guys to dig up tony bennett's walkabout uh vocals so weird i know if only we could yeah. talk to him. yeah or someone in yeah. his family yeah, yeah. I, I think know. my yeah oh, well. i'm sure
0: my girlfriend will have something yeah. to say about it so
1: um, anyway, so that anyway. We'll, we'll get to that later but anyway I, I just got completely scrambled but we're talking about the filmmaking mm-hmm. um and we just showed some examples yeah, uh mm-hmm.
2: sorry like i mentioned this for a second and i just realized that it happens at the end the, the beginning that she scrapes like an ant off the tablecloth right and at the end yeah. the guy's hanging from the, the tree and she scrapes an ant off his body too you know it's like yep. uh, another bookend that it's just like there's so many right. layers to this Film and the, and to have that metaphor go all or not the, the metaphor but the juxtaposition go all yeah, the way yeah
1: totally run right through it no that's the word dude I I, I keep thinking layers I hear actually uh, I I watched an interview with Jenny uh, Agutter Agutter um, and she um she says the film is so many layers it's really uh, a great entry point in 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 getting your head around this film you know what I mean like it's 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 not a story it's a series of themes and layers. And uh, and you can have your own walkabout experience, but you know what? It's not obnoxious though, and um, it's somehow not pretentious because I think the framing of of his of his him expressing his uh, themes is done in the most bare bones, basic, classic storytelling. In Pure fact, cinema-wise. I could see. Yeah no but even forget cinema i'm saying like it's ancient it's like uh homeric you know or something it's like um probably it's the kind of story that would be told by uh david's tribe you know what i mean it's so elemental is what i'm trying to say yeah right you know it's the first story almost it's called surviving you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then there's other things that are going on but but they're all basic basic things so then he, he can layer on that much more complex themes So it has this really clean through line. How about the simplest way to articulate this for me is um, uh, anyone can see it. Like it was a family film almost more than anything else. It was sort of a head film, a little. It was never a midnight movie ever. It sounds a little weird almost, but Mm. that it wasn't. But like it's a family film. I saw it with my family, (laughs) you know. And and then I think about it, though, when I watch it as an adult now and I go – You know, you can absorb it for kids or even, you know, middle class adults. You know, it's a story. Like, I hope those kids get out of the desert, you know, right? But what I love is that the film gets super fucked up once in a while and incredibly unlike, you know, like uh, Greek or, you know, uh, mythology. Uh, like for instance, how about all the, um, the Western, uh, hunters shooting the animals. And then at one point the animal backwards lives, <laughs> you know, like oh, it just reverses yeah. the film and it gets incredibly psychedelic and, 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 um, and, and utilizes a lot of like uh, super modern art house techniques. Um, uh, and that's, what's so great. There's that kind of weird tension too, as a film, I'm being very unarticulate, but I'm just saying as a film, it has its own conflicts, because it's telling a classical story, classical yeah. story form, but then it gets incredibly 1971 like like peyote influenced performance influenced like drugged out uh, film techniques, and that's a very cool combination. Oh you know? yeah, it's so <laughs> per, <know> <laughs>
0: apex I mean? of the right place, right time.
1: I uh, exactly 1971. That's uh, I could so 1971. Yeah, right. let, me um, throw,
2: let me throw another theme in there that's incredible right. too. It's like the um, you know I think like. British colonialism and the industrial age, like, really just ravaged like the British like personality and mind. Like, you know, like they they lost. People moved around and moved all over the place, and the colonial the British colonialism, was so evil and awful that it really it stripped away a lot of the history of like the British people. Like, they lost touch with like their their own folk history. And mm-hmm. in the nineteenth century, like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, they they came up with their own like pretend imagination of like how the British could return to like nature or return to the past. Oh. And you see that too, that like the film ends with the the poem, the houseman poem, which mm-hmm. is talking about like how it's like the winds of the past and nature are like reaching out to you, but you can't go back there. And there's all this sort of um, I feel like, the way that that sort of affected the British spirit is just hugely represented in like the symbolism of this film too. Just, just like the the English people coming to terms with like yeah. that they're that they have they have no folk history left. It was just mm. taken away from them by like you know the the way that they're you know their industrial age and and colonialism and that's part of the reason why they can't go back to you know. But right. there's always this feeling in their mind. You see that a lot in like sixties like music or you know just um a return to nature but that it was you it's as... not possible yes and there's exactly and right.
1: there's a wistfulness and and melancholy and it's and, and the and again incredible filmmaking uh that's all said in her facial expression looking at her dumbass husband Talking about like Jerry, you know, down in accounts, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I love, I love any movie where the dullard is slowly turned Tuned down, out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, so uh, then I said to him, it's like, well, listen, it's, is it your account or mine?
0: And then the music,
1: the, the gorgeous music swells and her incredible face. And, and we're that's naked the thing. Again. That's- yeah yes and they cut away to and cuz what's on her mind and she's going to be haunted by that because like you're saying Marcus it's like there's no way to get there and also you don't if you get there it's going to be fleeting because she is bourgeois and she's not going to really want to do that you know what i mean uh, so that so she's got her own a barrier within herself but then also it's just not done she probably has family now she's married you know and so she's got all these hang-ups and constrictions and she also doesn't really want to go there to live her life that way um, because she, um, she was, she's an ideal is uh, 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 idealizing um, what was a brief moment. Like, what was it like a couple weeks or something they live like that? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And a it's also what moment. she's, yeah. and what she's longing for is very sixties. Some people have mentioned this too, that it's an incredibly seventies film, you know, like what's Woodstock, right? They're, they're waking up in the morning in the mud or whatever, and like, or going bathing in the, in the pond or whatever that was going on. And you know, you're barefoot, you know, and uh, you're playing bongos and like that. Her well, really, but that her idealization is really a typical late '60s idealization of getting back. Uh, yeah. What is what is it? What is that? What's that like? Back to the farm or whatever the fucking that song is? You know. Uh, right. You know, it's 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 getting it's. Back to
2: Woodstock, right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was in the zeitgeist, very much so. Gentlemen, yes.
0: I, I, I got to cut in here because we are now sub seven minutes on this one fucking hour, which is crazy. Okay.
2: Evan's cutting in. Seven minutes. Sub seven, seven minutes. minutes. and counting. <laughs> here we go. Well, where I are got, we? I
0: we
1: got have two, any cu- I got oh, two things.
2: I got two things I got to get in. That's what I'm also, stopping.
1: we're so stupid. We keep talking about the ending. We could show the ending.
2: All right, we, we will. Evan's, uh, gonna get, Evan's got some dying requests. We've got six minutes.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's let's do the ending because you, you just talked about it. Then you got to let me have two things at the end, Tom. That's how this works. Okay, here all we go. All yours, uh, brother. All right, so here's the ending. Boom, boom, boom.
1: So there's the, the flat. Oh, and by the way, uh, Marcus, 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 no, no, Marcus, more parallels because you see that in the very <laughs> beginning, that same shot, and it's her mother cooking. So it's that it's that, dre- yeah, that yes. you know rat cage of like the cycle of like now I'm gonna do my mother's life and now here's my father who's like, gonna become miserable and kill himself and kill our yeah. children. You know, I so guess she's-
2: literally the same place. Yeah, it's the incredible. same shot.
1: It's the same yeah. shots. Yeah. I just watched it. And yeah. there's her face looking away longing and I didn't cut to the nudity. Sorry, we're in a weirdly puritanical time. Did
2: you, <laughs> oh, right, you know,
1: right. you can't even show walkabout for a second, but um, <laughs> there they, but there they are, you know, and the music's so gorgeous. Uh I really you know what? But like I almost can't listen to this song sometimes. It's too beautiful for me, you know? And I do think of this movie. Look at her face, she's gone. Yeah, makeup. <laughs> well he he does notice, like, uh Earth to Jenny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just being stupid. Oh, this, is my, this is how my own wife looks at me, actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> really? Also, <laughs> You're going it's hard on hard to watch. Oh, God, this where they do the, the brick stones, walls. We got to talk about
1: the brick walls, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, Evan, I have that, too. I have I have the opening of the film, Evan, which is incredible. The opening montage. All right, how with much the, time the do we have? Four minutes? All right, let's try sick, to do this. The sick-ass right. uh, mm-hmm. do. Kicking in over, um, we do yes, like we that, another businessman.
2: There's the, the radio static and the, the you know feedback, and then the didgeridoo. Fuck yeah, but you're
1: looking at like shitty civilization.
0: But like, yeah, Rogue talks about like you know how like yeah, a brick wall is the you know ultimate sign of you know of an artificial society, you know, or whatever, you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, and I love how uh, he's okay. using that as right. the transition point because there's that amazing shot, which we're going to see here in a minute of brick wall to outback, yeah. which is genius.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love. It. It's like, uh, like it's um, stylized. It's like, uh, yeah, like the reveal when you go on the other side of the brick wall is uh, the Outback, you know. Yeah, um, which is like, it's kind of a holy mountainish kind of thing.
2: Sort of. That part's of. really grabby too, because you're like, what are they doing? You know, it really makes you close you with curiosity. when They're doing those breathing exercises, it's right,
1: for their pronunciation, to 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 verbalize. And there's um, and you see everybody, the horrible father. You see the little brother. It's a great father's opening.
2: in uh, Crocodile Dundee, too. Remember, or not two, well, he's on, he's in one and two, but he's also well. in Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, I've never seen it. There's like three actors, I guess, in Australia. And I think, and it. there's
1: nothing wrong with having the, the visual, um, metaphor of like uniformed people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's always fun to see like people just dressed all alike, you know, to, to make it a, uh, a shorthand representation of yes, Western yes. civilization.
2: Good point, you know? yeah, they're wearing their school uniforms, yes, yeah, you know it's great i mean and then this weird repetition Communication. which by
1: the way Dean but, but listen learning. when they when they when they're doing these vocalization exercises they're almost abstracted and are like a weird kind of music that david would be into or something you know what i mean just I pattern that, patterns of breathing here we go uh, here it is uh, right. yeah so fucking rules dude so he just you know, brought a brick a wall out to the place.
0: fucking outback is that how we doing it i guess
1: so It reminds me of like the Beatles or something or like. like Okay, wait, perfect segue.
2: Perfect segue.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that. Okay, the one thing I want to touch on. Speaking of the Beatles, um, was uh, Jenny talked about how this movie was going to be financed by uh, by Apple Corps originally, and that's amazing. And she like when when she signed up and got the part. You know, she's fourteen you know, at that time, huge Beatles fanatic. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to get a chance. To I'm going to be in and a and Beatles movie. Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, if
1: somebody if somebody ran Apple better, Apple would have been a powerhouse. They just. Right. There's, Alan
2: was, Pine's fault. right?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. He came in to kind of rescue it and did worse. You know, no, yeah. no, no. Beforehand, like, um, like, like not the Beatles, because they weren't managing, but who, the, but they did hire all these doofuses who managed uh, a lot of bad hiring, you know, like what would Coppola say, right, Marcus? So uh, that's it. Um, yes, I wish there was a little Apple logo at the end of the film.
0: Yeah. Okay, all Evan's right. go. He's got to go. Two minutes. T- two minutes for one thing to get in because you guys all want to get it in. We never talked about the fucking ge- the, the geologists with the,
1: we- what, with the weather balloon. So, Tom? Yes. Okay, i got to get it in. It.
0: Yeah, okay, well, so what
1: the fuck? I actually have <laughs> nothing to say. Well, it, it becomes, you know, it's it feels like it's a, a bad movie, Inside this incredible movie, like, like there's all these kind of corny, like, uh, machismo Italian workers and stuff like, um, you know what I mean? And, and it's edited differently. And it just has, it has a nervous jittery grotesquery of like, uh, Western civilization, you know? Like it, it's uh, and it happens a couple times, like yeah. that gross scene where they're um, making the trinkets in mass.
2: That's interesting. I was going to ask if that? there's any flaws with the movie, but I guess that would be it, right? Is the, the no, weather I don't balloons. think it's a flaw. I don't think it's, it's a flaw. Just, it's, just,
0: it's just it is definitely a head scratcher. I think a little bit because there is there is like some comedy to the scene because we see this like you know the, like the balloons going away and then you know we're looking up you know we're looking into her you know dress and you know, whatever the, yeah I
1: yeah. think it's a bad I think it's a bad European comedy, representing the grotesquery of that whole yeah. continent, uh, yeah. inside this gorgeous world and this gorgeous film. There's no, I don't think there's another way to look at it. But there know? are competing just, cultures like sort of in it, though.
0: Yeah, but there are like because you have the Italians, and then she's, I think yeah. German or something. Yeah, or something Europe, so, Europeans. Europeans. Yeah, yeah, but there is kind of like I think a little bit of a cult. They're trying. He's, I think he's trying to communicate a culture clash in there. I think. That's yes. What, yeah. There's that too. So, yeah, for he sure. He is. You know, he's trying to put that in there, which is just a. Bizarre scene. Um, but man, yeah, walk about
1: it. it's still filmed great. It's filmed as great as anything else though. It is and edited. You know, and but guys awesome.
0: 20 seconds, walk about fucking, you know, six star movie, one of the best. I hated it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this hour no, went no, by fucking fast. Holy I know. shit. I yeah. want a
1: pill I want a pill where you become six years old and can watch movies and oh. it wears off in two hours. Six, That's out, a special thing. six that out, out of five. Six out of
2: five. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right, guys, that was one fucking hour on. Uh, but I can't Walk go about. back
1: to that theater again. That's the thing. It's, yeah, all about, so. it's all related. I can't go back to that movie theater
2: as a six year old. So you're going to be like
0: fully. a six year old watching it on Blu ray, I guess? Okay. All
2: right. Um, so, all your favorite uh, movie theaters will close. I've learned, yeah, that's the one thing I've learned yeah, in life.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it right, never... still open, <laughs>
2: ironically, in Long Beach. The art theater. <laughs> And, all
0: right, everybody. That was one fucking hour on Walkabout. Uh, thanks for uh, hey, listening, to, listening. And enjoying. you know what?
1: Are we going to lay on the good people out there uh, in the internet uh, what our next choice is? Oh, because I was about to get to it. Th- this, was, this was made while we were all on a peyote trek at the top of a mountain. We just did some alpining, <laughs> and we all three of us said at the same time, the next movie has got to be uh,
0: Magnolia. Magnolia. Oh no! We're doing it. Oh uh, god! So well, here, here's the here's yeah here's the hard left turn here, hard right turn. Oh. yeah, I know, I know. So here's the thing, I just saw uh, fucking. We are doing it. What's it's it? Just, licorice Sunday? Licorice Pizza? I saw it last pizza. night. Uh, another one of a one of those PTA endurance tests for he texted me.
2: Texted us right away. You can't oh. stop talking about it.
1: <laughs> that's
2: your that's one your blurb.
0: <laughs> yeah I can't stop talking about it that was some Guantanamo Bay shit let me tell you alright so wow. um, okay. we're gonna be uh, well I think that's maybe a little unfair because in, Inherent Vice is that this was Dude, a notch above I saw the premiere of that uh, but anyway it, it inspired the choice cool. it, it inspired the choice for us to look back at old Magnolia for our next episode so I think that'll be ETA's
1: fine over yeah uh, yeah <sighs> Nope, bueno. yeah, dude. Yeah,
2: I'm finally starting to prefer the other Paul Anderson films. I think.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. So well, we're, we're,
1: we're we're loaded yeah. for bear on this one. Oh, it's not no, going to be pretty.
0: It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely do not wear your cardigan. We should all wear cardigans next week, maybe, uh,
1: for that one. Scarf. Well, I was going to wear a ponytail and, uh, <laughs> you know, like a power tee, you know. Okay. Fitted, uh, you know. All right. So next week,
0: everybody, oh, one brutal. fucking hour on Magnolia. No, no, no.
1: That's- no, Evan, we have to all sing uh, Save Me or whatever that song is together. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like in our different cubicles here, okay. you know. Um, Right.
0: Well, all right. Woof. Okay. So next week, one fucking hour on uh, Magnolia. We're actually doing it. I can't believe it. Uh, and uh, from the
1: sublime to the ridiculous. Mag- yes. the Magnolia.
0: Here we go. But everybody, uh, we before we say goodbye, we have to mention. Stay tuned now for your very special moment of Zen. Okay, everybody. Good night. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you soon. Bye bye. Thanks. Walk about and as you wander
2: on Reflect and ponder on Motherfucking goddamn
1: orange peel beef
2: now Thou...